A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. When asked to name his favorite family members, he asks if the animals in the barn count. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. 5.05 on a Tuesday morning, the first day of September. Where has 2020 gone? Hey, we got a lot coming up in the next hour. We're going to be joined by market advisor John Heinberg live right around 5.45-ish. And we're going to talk about the latest Wisconsin Crop Progress Report as well as what's happening with dairy and your commodities. And speaking of that, the state's recent commodity prices are quite the mixed bag. According to the USDA, the July 2020 average price received by farmers for corn in Wisconsin was 305 per bushel. This was down 11 cents from June and 93 cents below the previous July. And then the July soybean price, 836 per bushel, was up 17 cents from June and up 5 cents from the previous July. So again, John Heinberg is going to join us right around 545. We're going to hear from Pam Yonke talking about bears And no, not the Chicago Bears. The black bear hunting season in Wisconsin is upon us. We'll take a look at your markets, your weather, and so much more. And it's all straight ahead right here on the Midwest Farm Report. Can't get enough farm news? The stories you hear and more 24-7 at MidwestFarmReport.com. Drive safely, Wisconsin. Highway workers are out on the road. They do it to better serve you. And just like you, they want to get home safely at the end of a hard day's work. When driving, all of us have a chance to set the right example. Be patient. Put down the phone. Never text and drive. Slow down and move over if possible to give workers a little extra room. Work zone safety. It's everyone's responsibility. Sponsored by the Wisconsin DOT. There are very few animals that I say I never want to encounter in the wild, but one of them would definitely be a bear. From the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse, I'm Caitlin Riley. Unfortunately, it hasn't happened yet, but whenever we do see a bear sighting, it always seems to make the front page of the local newspaper. Some out-of-staters might think we're a little nuts, but (laughs) bear hunting, it happens in Wisconsin, and Pam, you were able to get quite a few details, maybe more that we need to know about bears. Honestly, Caitlin, I am with you. Fabulous farm babe, Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Now, listen, I have the same paranoia about taking a walk in the woods and coming across a bear uh, when I help my husband crop scout on fields uh, in northwest Wisconsin. I walked up on a bear track, and that's as close as I wanted to get. You know what, though? Seriously, you have to recognize Wisconsin outdoes Alaska when it comes to the number of black bear that we harvest every year. Those are one of the fun facts that I picked up from Randy Johnson. He is the brand-new carnivore, large carnivore specialist for the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. He has just gotten into the state. He is in charge of basically watching and monitoring the Wisconsin wolf population, the cougar population, and, yes, the bear population. And coming up uh, in just uh, about 10 days, The Wisconsin black bear season will open. So I started off first by talking to Randy about his background, how he became interested in these large carnivores, and then the amazing statistics about how dominant Wisconsin is in the quality and quantity of black bear we have. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Glad to be here in Wisconsin. I 
I've been in state now for a little over a month. Um, the last three, <clears throat> three plus years, um, I was working as a wildlife biologist in South Dakota. Um, and before that I was getting my master's degree in North Dakota, working with mountain lions. So I spent uh, the last several years in the Dakotas and, and now we came east. So right. excited to be here. Boy, I bet it was fun and interesting to try to make a move with COVID-19 just from a pure practicality point. Yeah, logistics were a little bit challenging, <laughs> to say the least, but <laughs> but we made it and we're here, so looking sure. forward to, to going forward. Beautiful. Well, you're in a great part of the country to enjoy Wisconsin, that's for sure. Now, let's get right down to brass tacks. What does the large carnivore specialist do for the DNR, Randy? Sure. I uh, so large carnivore specialist. I cover wolves, black bears, and cougars oh in my. the state. Oh my! Yeah. So <laughs> the big three. Plenty to keep busy. That's right. The big three, literally. Now today, I want to focus in primarily on black bear because I did not realize that the black bear hunting season in Wisconsin is just around the corner. That's right. Yep, it's coming up. Um, opening day this year is September the ninth. So we are just uh, we're less than a month away. Um, so yeah, I'm sure there's lots of people out there getting, getting ready and putting together their final preparations. Now, how big a deal are black bears in Wisconsin? I mean, give us a little perspective, Randy. Uh, I think a lot of our listeners probably say, ah, that must not be much of a season. Give me a little sense of how Wisconsin stacks up when it comes to black bears. Yeah, I think, uh, well, honestly, I think we, we take it for granted a little bit in this state at just how good our black bear population is and how good the hunting is. Um, we were, in fact, a, a, a renowned national leader when it comes to black bear hunting, um, both in the number that we harvest as well as the size of the bear, the quality of the hunt, the access to, to public land, and to good bear hunting. So we're, we're really a national leader. Um, and, of course, it's important, too, um, just the, the, the quality of life thing that, that comes with having black bears and the, the sign of wilderness that they, that they encompass. So really cool to have such a, a, a healthy resource, uh, and, and also be able to, to appreciate everything that they represent. Am I correct that Wisconsin is so healthy when it comes to black bear and the harvest that we actually beat out states like Alaska? Yeah, you're right. I, I had to look this up a little bit just to, to, to double check this. But uh, we beat Alaska. We beat Minnesota. We beat just about every state that I could find as far as the number of bears that we harvest on average. Um, the one exception was Pennsylvania, if you can believe that. They they harvested a few more bears last year, but they actually indicated that was a record for them as well. So <laughs> overall, we're, we're neck and neck. And, and like I said, we're uh, as far as the number of bears, we're a national leader, which well, I think is something really to be appreciated. Yeah. How many? So, okay, dumb question. How many bear will we harvest on average in Wisconsin, Randy? Uh, it ranges usually between about 3,000 uh, up to as high as I think 5,000 about uh, 10 years ago was the record. And in those years, the, the, the management goal was to try to reduce the population a little bit. But but harvesting three thirty five hundred. Uh, you know, that's that's a good number to keep things stable. And that's right where we're at these days. Wow. I don't know if people could hear my jaw drop. I had no <laughs> idea. So thirty yeah, yeah. And that's 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 out of a population right now we're estimating about twenty four to twenty eight thousand bears in the state. Wow. Which is yeah, it's a lot of bears. 
<laughs> okay, so so take me back a little bit. I got to know more about these bears. So 2020, uh, bears don't know there's COVID. Uh, how many cubs did the average sow have, Randy? And, I mean, what what about that quality of life? Our crops look fantastic. Is that a direct indicator of how good our bear may be looking? Yeah, I think there's some relation there. Um, you know, to your first question, on average, those sows will have anywhere from one cub all the way up to, to four or five. But twos and threes are real common. Um, I've already talked to a couple folks that said they saw some sows with four cubs this year. Um, so I think, again, you know, similar to most years, the reproduction looks really good. Um, you know, it, when it comes to some of the croplands, bears definitely find the crops, and they can certainly cause issues there, and, and those need to be addressed accordingly. But um, for the most part, you know, I, I think things look, look really good there. Hmm. Interesting. So let's talk a little bit then about, uh, uh, like we said, the the harvest and getting ready for it. So I did not know that there's really two different ways that uh, our bear hunters can be successful. Can you explain that, how we approach the season, Randy? Uh, both bait and dogs are mechanisms that are routinely used. Yep, that's right. Yep. Um Hunting over baits as well as pursuing with hounds, those are the two primary ways that we hunt bears in this state. Um, other states, particularly out west, you know, you can you can see bears from a distance and potentially stock up on them. Um, but here in the forest, especially, it's just not a realistic way of hunting. Um, so, so the baiting and hound hunting have been around for for many many years. Um, most of our bears are shot over bait. Um, but, but we have a very strong hound hunting culture in the state, which is really cool. Um, and it, and it continues to be really strong. So they both have really unique circumstances around them as far as the experience and what goes into them, but, but they're both well, well practiced and, and effective. I just got it because again, sorry folks, you're coming along for the ride. I don't know about these things. So let's talk about uh, using dogs. You said this is the prime time when uh, people may hear dogs in the distance because this is their training opportunity, correct? Yep, that's right. Yep, the month of July and the month of August um, is is when folks are able to go out into the woods and train with their dogs, train with their bear hounds, get them up to speed for the upcoming harvest season. Um, so, so yeah, a lot of folks take advantage of that. They get a feel for, for how the dogs are doing, get the new dogs trained up, get them back into shape mm-hmm. um, so they're ready to go when, when the harvest season does open up in September. i got to believe that those are valuable critters if they're trained up. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yep, I think the sky's the limit on, hmm. on most of them. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> same, then, as, same as most hunting dogs. That's true, that's true. And then we were talking about bait, and I said to Randy, well, I know we can't bait deer in Wisconsin, and I'm assuming that we got to keep the raccoon and some of the other critters away. So how exactly are people taught to bait beers responsibly? Yep, that's exactly right. There's a whole suite of regulations on it to make sure that we're keeping that bait contained and accessible just to the bears primarily. Um, so, so there's limits on the quantity of bait you can put out there. We have restrictions on what you can use to bait. Um, and then that bait has to be contained within some sort of wooden container. Most folks use a hollowed out log and then they'll put, put, uh, something across the top, like a heavy rock or something. So, so again, exactly what you pointed out, we're keeping that bait away from the deer, um, and, and trying to keep the raccoons and squirrels and everything else from, from getting it so that when a bear does come through, they've got something there to, to munch on. 
<clears throat> now, is there anything else in particular that people should know about black bears in Wisconsin, Randy? Um, I don't know if it's about their habits. I said uh, you are still noting that if you look at a map of Wisconsin, the black bears still are pretty happy in the north woods, but they do move around. Oh, yeah. Yep. Bears are known to travel um, for sure. They can pop up just about anywhere in the state. Um, so, again, yeah, I, I think people need to be aware of bears and that they can show up. Um, you know, some simple things to do if you do see a bear while you're out and about, you know, don't approach it, give it a space, all of the usual things that you do with wildlife in general. Um, you know, for the most part, they're going about their business and they're shy. And, and if they come into contact with you, the first thing they want to do is exit. So um, just, just give them that opportunity. And, and most of the time, there's no issues there. Well, I am happy to do that. Now that there's more than 20 <laughs> some thousand out there, I'm happy to yield the way. Well, welcome. Right. Welcome to Wisconsin, Randy. We're certainly glad to have this conversation with you. Randy Johnson, large carnivore specialist with the Wisconsin DNR. He's headquartered up in Rhinelander and I guess you're you're going to be busy come September. Maybe I'll follow up with you and see how the harvest ends up. Absolutely. Sounds good to me. Very good. Randy Johnson, good enough to join us. Large carnivore specialist, and I bet you'll learn something in that conversation about black bears that you probably didn't know about, too. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Be the light. That's my motto. Hi, I'm Scott, proud employee with EverReady Electric for over 20 years. We want you. Yes, you. We're hiring for journeymen or master electricians. Full-time with a hiring bonus of $1,500. Why? Well, we get that transitioning from one job to another has costs, and we're here to support you in a new comfort zone. Join our team and apply online, or call and ask for Linda. She'll amp you up. We're EverReady. Furnace on the Fritz? Whether it's a quick fix or time for something new, you need a dealer who knows what it takes to warm things up. And a Bryant dealer does whatever it takes. It takes attention to detail, the right tools, and friendly, knowledgeable service. Bottom line, it takes a Bryant dealer to bring the heat. Call Tarkenton Brothers Heating, Ventilating, and Air Conditioning in Oregon when you need furnace service. Bryant. Whatever it takes. He takes being called a pig as a compliment because he knows that they're smarter than most dogs and people. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. It is 519 on the first day of September. Good morning to you. My name is Josh Scramlin, and we bring in ag meteorologist Stu Muck. So, Stu, uh, b- before we went on air, I said, you know, we got quite a bit of rain yesterday here in Madison where I'm at. It wasn't a lot, but compared to what we've had, it sure seemed like a lot. Yeah, you you missed out on some. We had, you know, a couple inches over in eastern Wisconsin in the weekend. I see yesterday Madison had 76 hundredths of an inch. And then there's La Crosse, an inch and 98 hundredths yesterday. Uh, Abundant moisture, no doubt about that. A couple other reports I see here, Portage at 42 hundredths, Reedsburg at 63 hundredths, and and you get up toward uh, the Wausau area, Mosinee, only 37 hundredths of an inch. Nonetheless, the front that brought that rain has pushed off to our southeast today. 
and it really is today, lining up from all about the southern tip of Lake Michigan down toward Missouri. It's taking rain south with it. We have a quieter start, but because of the moisture, of course, a little patchy fog's expected, so a little fogginess here and there this morning. Don't worry about it too much. Throughout the day, the sun returns, and it's all going to be okay, but that front is going to move back from the south, move north a little bit, and as it does, a disturbance will move east and northeast on that frontal boundary. And I have to mention that there will be some rain chance for most of us. And I think we're talking about Madison and Mauston and Beaver Dam and Oshkosh and Fond du Lac in areas east and north. La Crosse, not so big of a possibility, but there will be some rain chance around a bit later today or into the evening. A tenth of an inch or two if we see it, not a big deal but a little rain chance around, and otherwise temperatures stay cooler. This first day of September will be on a bit of a cooler-than-normal side. We should be in the upper 70s for highs, and I expect lower mid-70s for highs. So a little cooler, a little quieter, and I expect some sunshine and mild air around Wednesday and on toward Thursday as well. No big changes, but a weak cool front does swing in from the northwest. That front now just kind of forming in northern North Dakota today, and it will drop through. And what it will account for is that Thursday, we'll see our winds turn back to the northwest. And you know what that means at this time of the year, it taps into a little cooler, less humid air. So those temperatures drop off again Thursday and Friday. Nothing drastic, but we stay a little cooler and drier right on toward the end of the week. For a lot of folks heading into that Labor Day weekend, they'd like for it to stay nice and dry. Uh, looking toward the weekend, though, I think as we move through Sunday or on toward Labor Day, some small chances of rain may be edging back in. But at least it does appear things uh, will give us a bit of a break from the heat and humidity of August. It's going to be a bit more comfortable here in early September. I'll have the forecast right after this. They came from every corner of the country, from small towns and big cities. But they all shared one thing in common. They belonged to a family called Marines, a tough and determined few dedicated to protecting everything we hold sacred. And still, they come. Celebrate the history of those proud few who have earned the title Marine. Hey, there goes Pam Yonke in her suburban truck across Wisconsin. Thanks to Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1965. And by your Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin exists to be a tireless advocate, marketer, and promoter for Wisconsin dairy farmers by growing demand for their dairy products. Keep up with Pam on social media, Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook and Twitter, and at MidwestFarmReport.com. It's 523 on a Tuesday morning, September 1st, 2020. Good to have you along on the Midwest Farm Report. We're checking weather with ag meteorologist Stu Muck. So, Stu, what can we expecting be expecting today and then the next couple of days? I find it pretty comfortable on my scale, at least. Let's talk about a little patchy fog this morning and otherwise partly sunny skies, even more sun further to the south and east. Should be a beautiful day as we talk about low and mid-70s for highs and our winds become east and even south late about 5. There's still a small chance of a shower, like I've said, this afternoon or evening. Mostly cloudy in the night. We drop down to 56. South winds will be around 5. 
and back to sunshine for Wednesday. A warm day, in fact, very upper 70s to low 80s with west winds about 5 to 10. And then there's Thursday, sunshine, nice mid-70s. Southwest winds getting stronger, 5 to 15. They become northwest with a little front, could be some gusts around 25. And then we hold in the mid-70s with sun right to the end of the week. I think it sounds pretty nice, Josh. Maybe a little sprinkle tonight won't be the worst that could happen. It's better than 95 degrees like it was last week. I'll take it. You got that right. (laughs) All right, Stu, thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you then. Yep, see you then. All right, that's Ag Meteorologist Stu Muck. Hey, there is an uh, online FFA auction going on. Lodi FFA alumni and Wisconsin Heights FFA alumni have teamed up for an online consignment auction. It's happening right now all the way until Sunday, September 13th. So you've got about two weeks. We've got full details at MidwestFarmReport.com. There you can figure out how to bid. They're also looking for some contributions to the auction. So if you've got something you want to contribute, go there as well. MidwestFarmReport.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Buy direct from the manufacturer and start saving on your fuel storage costs. 1,000-gallon and 550-gallon fuel tanks are in stock at USEMCO, built Wisconsin Tough and Toma. Sandblasted and urethane-coated prevents rusting and wear and tear. Plus, they come with a full factory warranty. A tough tank for a soft price from USEMCO. Visit USEMCO.com and click on Fuel Tanks. Save on your fuel storage costs with the Wisconsin company always looking after you. Visit USEMCO.com. At Wiffles Hybrids, our family recipe for success has been handed down for three generations. Take two parts high-performing hybrids, mix with one part unmatched quality, then finish it off with our secret sauce, superior customer service. Some people may say it's impossible to get the best hybrids from an independent, family-owned company, to which we'd say, have your cake and eat it, too. Mmm, Wiffles Hybrids, quite possibly the best hybrids you can buy. Now that Wisconsin football is canceled, what are we going to do? I don't know. I know what you can do. You can go golfing. It's the Zone Golf Scramble, September 26th at Coachman's Golf Resort in beautiful Edgerton. For $75, each participant will receive 18 holes of golf, a cart, lunch, a goodie bag, and a socially distanced beer social thanks to our friends from Carbon 4. It's the Zone Golf Scramble at Coachman's Golf Resort in Edgerton, September 26th. Sign up now at madcitysportszone.com. Battles aren't won solely on the field. That's a common misconception. Battles are won within. Over enemies of fear. Enemies of doubt. In that place where promises are kept. Promises to oneself. This is a physical training event. Promises to one's community. Healthy people move debris out of their house. Promises to one's country. In the heart of every Marine, you'll find a promise. A promise forever kept. A promise of battles won. I'm Dr. Linda Van Eldick a biomedical scientist supported by the American Health Assistance Foundation. I'm dedicated to educating the public because it's important for all of us to understand this debilitating disease. 
I conduct research aimed at discovering new and effective treatments for Alzheimer's disease. This is critical because every 70 seconds, someone in America is diagnosed with Alzheimer's. That's more than a thousand people a day. Preliminary data show that exercise, a healthy diet, and keeping your mind active may help reduce your risk. At our website, ahaf.org, experts will answer your questions and address your concerns. Find out about promising research the Foundation funds and learn how to live with or care for someone with the disease. Call 1-800-437-2423 or go to ahaf.org for a free brochure on understanding Alzheimer's disease. That's 1-800-437-2423. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. The battle to generate more revenue could be as simple as a free IT assessment from Compel Consulting. You'll receive a customized report detailing opportunities to reduce risk, lower costs, increase productivity, and revenues. Compel Consulting simply wants to help you make more money. Schedule a free technology assessment with Compel today and be more productive tomorrow. Visit CompelledNetworks.com. Compel Consulting, professional IT solutions, just like having family in the IT biz. How has the offense been looking with Aaron Rodgers and potentially the number ones that we would think would be out there? Yeah, I thought they they Can looked, I say that? Yeah, yeah. I think they looked pretty good. He was, I think, takeaways, throwaways, which you can't really do. But uh, I think he had, was 23 of 26 yesterday for 192 yards and a touchdown. And, yeah, I mean, all, I thought all the quarterbacks actually looked pretty good. I think the offense had themselves a day compared to the defense. But, no, Aaron Rodgers has, has looked pretty good. And I, I, I think more so it has been – the receivers that I would be more excited about, like especially Marquez Valdez-Scantling. All right, because I was talking earlier in the show uh, around 8.40, we had some comments from LaFleur uh, talking about MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and saying that his hands are looking better, his his knowledge in the system is getting more better because it's the second year in a new, you know, obviously LaFleur's here in the second year, that he's, he's, he's growing. Yeah, to me, to me it's – and Rodgers had mentioned this last year, and I think he did earlier in the offseason, it's about confidence with him. And right now – Guy's just oozing confidence. Didn't he, didn't he practice with Randy Moss in the offseason? Was that was, was that, that him? MVS? I think so. Yeah. Okay. okay. Either way, it doesn't really matter. I mean, he, he has a, that would give me confidence. Has a ton of confidence, and it's and we we think of Marquez as a deep threat only. Like that's essentially what he was because he's fast. But he's I mean he's I don't want to he's never going to be a possession guy. But his a lot of his catches at least yesterday were short catches. In you know within 15 yards, and it's not just him taking off down the field. And he's had he had a guy wrapped on him. I think Josh Jackson got called for a penalty, and and MVS still caught it. So like he has been, 
I think maybe outside of Devontae Adams, the most impressive wide receiver they've had in camp. Really? That's good to hear. What about Alan Lazard? Alan Lazard was a beast last year when, yeah. when needed. I, I I think those two guys are 2-3, two, 3-2, three, three, two, however you want to look at them. Potentially. Be, potentially behind uh, Devontae, I, which I don't think is like a huge surprise. Like going into camp, that's what you would have thought, right? Yes. Um, I figured it would be Devontae 1, Lazard 2, MVS 3. Right. Well, especially and when you have Funches opt out. Yeah, without Funches, that's what it was going to be like. And and then, you know, some other guys will fill in behind. I think those are the, you know, who is going to be 4, 5, and potentially 6. Equinemia St. Brown was having a strong camp, but he missed he missed uh, the, the scrimmage yesterday. No, he did? He did. He, he was hurt. Yeah. Of yeah. course. God, because I want him. I was Starting looking at him year to three have a nice, like he basically did in year one and two. Because that's the guy that I had a lot of hope for coming into the season was, was St. Brown. Right. It was the guy that you're adding back in after yeah. he missed all of last year. Um, and then it's Jake Kumro, right? <laughs> He's done. And then it's Malik Turner, and then it's Darius Shepard. Like, I think those those fa- those last few positions or those lo- last few spots of wide receiver, like, how many do they keep? Do they keep five or do they keep six? I think I think they end up keeping four running backs and only five wide receivers. And so, who's that fifth wide receiver? Is it Kumro? Is it Academia St. Brown? Is it? Well, I think it, know, who's Gary got it. It also hurts your receivers when you have guys like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams that they've used in past games last season, splitting them out at wide receiver in the slot. Right, and also Tyler Irvin. Yeah, like Tyler Irvin. He's hoping to be a big contributor, like, isn't he? Tyler Irvin. Yes, I would not expect Tyler Irvin to get a ton of carries out of the backfield. <laughs> so, using him in a variety of other ways, like. Sure. Where does does he? I mean, he's he's your fourth running back essentially, yeah. which which would mean you know Dexter Williams See would be ya. gone. Yeah, and if they keep four tight ends, which I think they're going to do with because their tight ends are essentially playing fullback, H back. Um, the new Lafleur you know, tight end. Yeah, I mean, you've got so many different body types there with Josiah Deguara and Jay Sternberger, Big Bob and, Tanyan, Bob Tanyan, and Mercedes Lewis. I think those are your four, and uh, so at wide receiver, like I don't think you can keep more than five. That's a good point. Because of the floor in that system, they love their tight ends or their they whatever, are. whatever mean, they, you want to call them. They're their move, H-back tight ends. They're moving. They, I think, yeah, they could potentially be using those guys a lot. Potentially, right? Yeah. This isn't the McCarthy potentially seven receivers? No. No. This the, is, big, the big five. Remember when they put out the big five well, like back in the day? When McCarthy. Ruvel Martin was, was, was there. and yeah. When McCarthy banged on the podium saying it's A1 important to run the football, I scoffed. Yeah. I'm like, what, are you going to take? You're going to have the best player in the game in Aaron Rodgers hand the ball off, you would, no, it's not going to happen. When LaFleur now says we're going to run the ball 50% of the time, I believe him. Yeah. I didn't believe Mike McCarthy. Is it Have have the Packers had a stronger running back group that you can remember? No. I mean, when you get... Uh, when they had Amon Green, was it Najee Davenport and Tony Fisher? Yeah, that's, a, that's a long time ago. That's a solid group. <laughs> that's a solid, at least 2003. That's a solid group. Well, that's but 2003. I, but, but, but with... Uh, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon, and Tyler Irvin. Um, I still need to see A.J. Dillon, Dillon in a I'm real excited. game. I'm excited about Dillon. How's he looking? That's the thing. Like When you're only playing thud, when you're not playing tackle, no, yeah, he loses true. a little bit of it. He can smell fried cheese curds from 15 miles away. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. Right now I am sitting behind the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk taking a look at what is happening on a Tuesday. 
Well, sadly, we have some tragic news from over the weekend. On Saturday night, around 10 p.m. in Lafayette County, the town of Belmont to be exact, a 14-year-old Darlington boy was killed and a 16-year-old Darlington girl was seriously injured in a UTV crash. Now, that's according to Madison.com. And furthermore, the investigation determined that the UTV was being driven by 14-year-old Jordan Biesecker with Michaela Stevens, the 16-year-old, riding as a passenger. Now, they were in a pasture on the property when Biesecker apparently lost control, overturned the UTV, and ejected both the teens who were not wearing seatbelts. Our thoughts and prayers are certainly with the families during these difficult, difficult times. Now, coincidentally, Farm Director Pam Yonke spoke with a representative from the DNR about UTV and ATV safety a couple weeks back. And with that, I toss it to Pam Yonke. Pam? Joining us today, Jake Holsclaw. He is with the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. He is their recreation warden, headquartered in Eau Claire, kind of all along western Wisconsin. And Jake, let's start off by talking about the use of ATVs, UTVs. I mean, it is a popular tool in Wisconsin, both on the farm and off. But I've got to believe with COVID-19, you might have seen escalated interest in those uh, particular tools. What have you been noticing? Yeah, we've definitely noticed an increase in in use of the ATVs and UTVs. I think most of the dealers you talk to across the state, they're going to have increased sales. Um, a lot of people are getting interested in it, and they want to get out and about and uh, enjoy the outdoors and the new routes. And like you said, a lot of them are are a useful tool on the farm, so or in private, you know, in private land. So people are buying ATVs or UTVs. And we just want to make sure that people are doing it safely. Talk to me about the numbers uh, that you've seen, Jake, be it this year or the most recent statistics. Uh, What happens when people don't pay attention to safety and those ATVs, UTVs? Well, uh, we've seen quite a few issues with people being injured uh, when they're either not wearing a helmet or, in the case of a UTV, not wearing a helmet and not wearing seatbelts. So all of your standard UTVs are provided with seatbelts, and, of course, we encourage people that they need to wear those uh, for safety reasons. One of, the, one of the things they're designed with is they have a roll bar feature on, on these machines, and it is designed to help you know, keep the operator and occupant safe if they do tip over. But if folks aren't wearing seatbelts, those roll bars can actually cause uh, additional injuries. So we encourage folks to wear a, wear a helmet and wear seatbelts when they're in a UTV. Um, obviously, uh, take a safety course uh, if they're required to do so. And even required to do so, if they're new to the, new to the sport or new to operation, it would be a good idea to get up to date on that and then get up to date on all the on all the regulations. Yeah. You know, and one other thing, Jake, that you and I had been talking about, the fact that so many communities have now posted different routes for ATVs, UTVs that share the road with uh, other motorists. Uh, that's that's something else that the DNR is monitoring and making adjustments to, correct? Absolutely. Yep. It's been, uh, and, and, you know, originally routes were designed for connecting different tra- trail sections. But now a lot of a lot of local communities and local units of government have decided to open up um, whether they're county highways or town roads to ATV travel. And this has opened up a huge opportunity for people to travel, uh, whether around the county or from one county to another. So and they just have to remember that when you're on a roadway and sharing it, you know, sharing the roadway with other vehicles, that they're definitely going to want to be uh, up to par on the rules. Uh, one of those would be following posted speed limits. Uh, in a lot of cases, 
a local unit of government will actually post a slower speed limit for the UTVs or the ATVs, and folks are going to want to be aware of that. So, uh, and then not, you know, not every road is going to be open. Uh, a lot of state highways, most state highways are going to be closed. So folks have to be aware of where they're traveling. Jake Holslaw, along with us, he is the recreation warden for the Wisconsin DNR, headquartered in Eau Claire. Now, earlier this year, just about the time that we were all realizing COVID-19 was not to be fooled with, the DNR put into effect some revised uh, safety rules when in laws when it comes to ATV, UTV. I'm just looking through a few of them, uh, Jake. Which ones kind of struck you when you saw them issued? Everything from uh, headla- headlamp displays uh, right on through to tire pressures what uh, what did you notice yep so probably yeah that's probably some of the biggest changes it was act 183 that came through earlier this spring uh one of the big uh changes there was uh that any atv uh designed for one person is only supposed to hold one person so uh in years past a person could have an operator could have a passenger or maybe multiple passengers on the machine as long as they fit on the seat but as of right now, that new state law uh, between uh, Wisconsin ATV Association and others, they decided it was safer to, uh, if somebody wanted to have an additional passenger on a machine, that they had to stick with a machine that's actually manufactured for uh, two people. Um, and in the case of um, UTVs and ATVs, they did change the law so that now whenever they're operated, whether it's on, um, whether it's on a field or on a road, they need to have their headlights on, and that was just a safety feature to make them more visible. Jake Holsclaw, the recreation warden for the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. That was Pam Yonke talking with him right there. According to Madison.com, a 14-year-old Darlington boy was killed, and a 16-year-old Darlington girl was seriously injured in a UTV crash in Lafayette County on Saturday night. And this is a reminder to everybody that they are fun to drive around the farm and they can get you from point A to point B. But UTV and ATV safety is something to take very seriously. From the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, I'm Josh Scramlin. Wondering what bean prices are looking like? What about corn? No need to worry. Daily market updates all day long from the Midwest Farm Report happen right here. And there's one straight ahead. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Sometimes the best way to know where to go is to look back on where you've been. At American-based Dairyland Seed, our focus is always on the future, exploring new and better ways to help you succeed. And it's by using what we've learned throughout our more than 110 years of delivering top-quality seed that allows us to reach even higher today and into the future. More than a century in agriculture has taught us that nothing is guaranteed, so we plan for every scenario to ensure we're ready for any challenge. It's taught us that no two farmers, fields, or operations are alike. So we provide more products and tailor our services to meet the needs of individuals across all types of conditions, acreages, and soil types. And all these years have shown us that if you can look back on your history with pride, you're almost certain to be just as proud of your future. Are you Dairyland Seed proud? Find out what Dairyland Seed proud means for you at DairylandSeed.com. A man that knows any food tastes better when deep-fried and served on a stick. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. All right, now taking a look at your opening markets from Chicago. September corn is at 348 and a half. That's up two and a half cents. December corn starting off in the red this morning. It's down one and a half cents at 357 and three quarters. But on a positive note, the rest of the grains are in the green this morning. September beans at 951 and a quarter. That is up three quarters of a cent. And November beans are up three cents at 953 and a half. While September wheat is up five cents at 544 and a quarter. And December wheat is up three and a half cents at 552 and a quarter. Now, as for dairy, butters at 148 and three quarters, that's up four cents. Black cheddar's down three pennies at 179 and three quarters. And cheddar barrel is up three quarters of a cent at 143 and three quarters. And finally, for the fluid milk contracts, September milk is at 1571. That is up two cents. And October milk is up 20 cents at 1784. For all of your agribusiness news, you can go to MidwestFarmReport.com. The stories you hear and more can be found there 24-7. And for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Most people look at roofing as a necessary evil instead of really looking at it as a priority that's going to take care of them for as long as they live. Some people have shingles blow off their roof. Ice dams are a big issue. Their shingles start to curl and disintegrate. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta metal roof. S-W-I-T-A metalroofing.com. Sweeta metal roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. Being a member owner pays at Compure Financial. As a farm credit cooperative, Compure's member owners share in the profits, and this year member owners will receive $177 million back in patronage. Talk with your local Compure team to learn how the patronage program helps member owners reinvest in their operations and local communities. Learn more at Compure.com backslash patronage. Compure Financial ACA is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Patronage allocations, redemptions, and payments remains at the discretion of the board directors based on a combination of factors including the risk in portfolio, earnings, and current capital position. Carrier has a complete line of home heating products to keep your family comfortable this winter without burning your budget. With smart temperature management and remote access options, it's easier than ever to control your home's climate. And Carrier energy-efficient systems can help reduce utility bills without sacrificing comfort. For more complete comfort and greater peace of mind, turn to your Carrier expert. Call your factory-authorized dealer. Arts Electric and Heating in DeForest or Bethke Heating and Air Conditioning in Verona. A man that knows any food tastes better when deep fried and served on a stick. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. It is 546 on a Tuesday morning. It is the first day of September 2020. Good morning to you. Thanks for tuning in to the Midwest Farm Report. And we've got a decent amount of time this morning to talk with market advisor John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson in West Bend. So, John, let's get into it. It's great talking to you on Tuesday morning because on Monday evening we get the Wisconsin Crop Progress Report. So, uh, corn at dose stage or beyond is at 88%. Soybean setting pods are at 96%. But it kind of feels like mixed signals because the crop is so far ahead of last year. But I know that we're getting really dry out there in some areas. 
national ratings too, and that's the biggest thing we kind of keep focused on. I mean, Wisconsin's crops overall are still in very good shape, coming along on the maturity side. In fact, some of the heat and the dryness we've had in some of the regions, I know we, you know, when, up until this last set of rains, we're really starting to stress down here in the southeastern corner, uh, really kind of push this crop along, and we're seeing that nationally. You got some of these maturity levels uh, that are, you know, well above five-year averages, and some of these regions, such as Iowa, which we continue to see tumbling uh, ratings overall. Uh, they're going to start getting into harvest earlier than anticipated, obviously, because the crop is just finishing out so quick. It's basically at the stage in some of these regions that's just done on the corn side. And so we're going to start seeing that start coming into play. You know, markets are digesting it. Obviously, we're seeing some pressure in the corn market to start the morning today. That might be a little bit more tied to Stonex's or formerly FC Stone's uh, producer survey numbers that came out. They did put lower their yield down to 179.6 from 182.4 last month. So, uh, you know, about a three bushel per acre drop. But when the market sees those things, again, the, there's maybe some realization they overshot the potential loss that's out there due to the dry weather, due to the storm that came through Iowa in August and markets are still going to be dealing with overall heavier supplies as we get towards that September USDA report on the 11th. Yeah, it, I was in Iowa this past weekend just driving through, and it's one thing to see the numbers and see just how detrimental that was. But to see it in person, it, I mean, it was amazing in the worst way. And just how detrimental was that storm to the national corn crop when we talk about Iowa specifically? You know, as we start looking at the big picture, and again, it's a brutal situation for those people involved, and, and you know, I feel for them. And at the same time, we, when we start talking about the national supply of corn that's out there, you know, even losing two, three, four hundred million bushels in that region, it still keeps production relatively heavy. You know, still around that four, four, excuse me, fifteen billion bushel mark. When you put that into the tables, you put that in with the demand and the concerns that we have on the demand side of the equation, it still keeps the corn pile fairly heavy. You know, and we got to understand the process that we go through as the USDA starts working the reports here in the fall. The next one again on September 11th. You know, they're not going to take yield down from 181 uh, all the way down to like 175 in one report. Usually it's going to be a step-by-step -step process. And with that, that's going to keep the supply side still looking relatively full. And that's going to keep pressure on prices. I shifted to a little bit more of a defensive mindset. I thought the 360 level here would, would hold December corn as so far it has. Uh, you know, I hope it goes higher, but at the same time, I want to be a realist about where we are in terms of bushels and making sure producers are catching up on some sales or building some defensive strategies in here because we're still going to have a decent pile of corn. And then we still got to answer the demand side of the equation and what happens there. If prices go higher, demand typically goes down and, and corn unlike beans, is more of a global crop. And we got a lot of competition internationally uh, for those bushels to go overseas. John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson in West Bend is along with us right now. John, before we go any further, how can guys get a hold of you? Love the chat with them anytime. Feel free to call us at the office, 800-334-9779 is our number. Or shoot me an email at johnh at totalfarmmarketing.com. Uh, gladly we'll talk with them. Perfect. Uh, you were talking demand and you were talking corn. I spoke with a farmer in Janesville uh, that has a good number of acres down in the southern part of Wisconsin. And his, one of his concerns is what exactly is going to shake out with ethanol? Do you have any updates for that? 
you know, we've seen production come back extremely quickly off of those lows due to the COVID situation, obviously back in the spring, but we're still not where we need to be overall. And, you know, the country's still not quite up to full speed, obviously. So that still keeps some concerns in that regard. You know, and those are the things I'm watching as I look forward in the core market here is going to be what happens with those demand numbers. To me right now, maybe ethanol as well as the export numbers seem to be a little bit elevated uh, that the USDA has put out there. So that does concern me if those things don't come back that even though we've lost those bushels they could easily start shaving it off on the demand side of the equation again keeping the stockpile very full uh, so I'm pretty cautious there overall you know when we start talking about demand though you, you got to look at that soybean market and what's been going on there that obviously has rallied a dollar uh, you know since those August lows and again those weather conditions be a big factor you know corn crops pretty much made here it's a matter of just how big we can get in terms of pounds but that bean crop right now we're still in that key window where we got to get that thing put together and obviously the weather last week across the entire country continues to keep uh, pressure on that yield all right let's go ahead and pivot to dairy so over the weekend we got a usda report wisconsin all milk price for july was 22.30 per hundred weight so that rose nearly three dollars i understand that ppd is still killing our producers sadly but that rise had to at least be somewhat encouraging right you know, and it was, and we had an, obviously a very strong in terms of class three prices uh, through July. And then, you know, but then when we hit August, everything kind of pulled the rug out here. And I, I'm a little bit cautious that market, you know, we're talking last week, you know, where this thing could go and, you know, staying on the defensive side of the equation. And we got a couple things that are starting to continue to build right now, though. We got to keep an eye on at this stage. First off, USDA did announce another additional, up to additional billion dollars of money going into the Farmers to Family Food Box programs with buying kicking in here in September. It caused the market to pop a little bit here about a week or so go off that. We'll have to see if that can have some impact when that program starts rolling again. Biggest concern right now, though, is we're watching the food service sector. Obviously, schools are reopening. we got a lot of mixed movement in that nationally between virtual schools or schools full open and ready to go. We're still seeing those food service uh, orders softer compared to history. And, you know, looking at the cheese supplies, they're still very manageable, but they are starting to grow based on that lighter demand. So that's a little bit of a concern. So, you know, right now I look at a milk market that's kind of recovered, maybe found some stability here. But, you know, looking going into the end of the year, there's still some value there. I'm still working on defensive strategies, uh, keeping things in front because that lack of demand does stay concerning to me in a window where we typically see a lot of fluid milk demand, mainly because of the food service in the schools being open. It's 5.53 on a Tuesday morning speaking with market advisor John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson and West Bend. John, we spoke with you a couple months ago about how dairy has become more flexible because the demand's there, then an hour later it's not. But with the schools, I'm so curious about how fluid that can be because schools are opening up, then they're closing, then they're going online, then they're bringing students back. I mean, it's just all over the place. Can dairy keep up with that demand picture? You know, again, like I said, that's the thing that's concerning to me the most overall is, you know, how that pattern is going to work out. You know, as today we're September 1st here in Wisconsin, we start seeing schools will start moving today. We'll see what happens. You know, I hope we don't have any issues and things can move freely. You know, but at the same time, again, that's just going to keep pressure on that market until we have a clearer picture. And when you got a market with a lot of uncertainty, it continues to keep volatility in overall. You know, so at this stage, it's 
going to keep, like I said, pressure on prices. Maybe prices just stay choppy, stay in a sideways fashion. You know, if we're at the top of the range, producers need to look at some way to protect the bottom of the range. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the next few months shake out because we still got a lot of questions that need to be answered. And those answers are still very foggy to us at this stage. All right. I hate to do this, but we're out of time. So, John, we will catch up with you in one week, okay? Thanks. Have a great week. All right. Yep. Thank you, John. Again, that is market advisor John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson and West Bend. He joins us every single Tuesday. This upcoming Thursday, we're going to be joined by the folks from Rice Dairy LLC in Chicago, taking a look at your dairy market specifically. Get more at MidwestFarmReport.com. And I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Midwest Farm Report 